0: Welcome to SENT 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey everybody, and not only are we so glad you're here, we think you're going to feel blessed by the end of this 30 minutes or so, because, specifically because of the guest that we have today and the conversation that I'm looking forward to. Matt, I gotta tell you, We have Drew Miles with us today. Hello, Drew. Hey, guys. you guys? glad you're here. Drew Miles is one of the very, very few people in the world that I think doesn't need to listen to our podcast. Why is that? Well, it's because he is already fully activated. Drew has been sharing Jesus with people for a long time, and he does it the way God made him. It's evolved, and that's one of the things that I wanna talk with you about. But seriously, I don't really use the word evangelism all that much because it's got so many connotations. I think that God has called you to be an evangelist. I'm glad you do occasionally listen to the show because Mm -hmm. it's fun to hear some of the amazing things that God's doing with other people. So, Drew, I would like to hear, I, I know a lot of it, but I would like you to share your background, how you came to the Lord, how you started sharing your faith and all of that. So open up and tell everybody, be transparent.
1: So my faith started when I was 19. I grew up in a pretty rough home with drugs, alcohol, abuse, adultery, it wasn't a Christian home. <clears throat> and I was an atheist, agnostic atheist, hated God, wanted nothing to do with God, and actually was persecuted Christians. And my girlfriend, Lauren Miles, who's incredible, way out of my league. Yep, we all agree. Yes, way out of my league, got pregnant when we were 19. And we were, I remember we were in Hawaii, and she said, I'm pregnant. And I said, okay, are we going to keep it? Because at that point in my life, I just wanted to travel and not have children, and I thought we should get an abortion. And she said, yes, we're going to keep it. And she said, I grew up a Christian. We shouldn't have been having sex, and we need to start going to church. And I said, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> never been in a little Catholic church, but i would never really been to church. But long story short, she talked me into going to Easter service 16 years ago. And God started working on me. And I went home, and, and I said, I'm going to be a Catholic, because obviously my family's Catholic, so I'm going to be a Catholic. And she said, no, we'll just keep going back to Foothills. And so we kept going back, and you know, mm-hmm. we walked the halls, unmarried, and I was still doing drugs and still drinking, but kept going. And slowly but surely, uh, she had the baby, and I looked at the baby, and I said, there's got to be a God. Mm-hmm. And then we started going to a home group, Brian Heilman's your son-in-law's. And uh, I got radically saved. It was like a six-month deal. I had a lot of uh, a lot of old me to work out before I got saved, but mm. I got good and saved. And then one yeah. of the first nights I was in that group, this guy came named Kevin Miller and talked about evangelism. Mm. And I got to hear about the Holy Spirit and evangelism and talking to people about Jesus. And that really is probably what started my journey into talking to people about God. And from there, yeah. eventually... Got my own home group, and I've had a home group now for 13, 14 years, and I was acting involved in Common Ground for a long time, and then kids' church, and now junior high group, and high school group now. I have five kids. We're foster parents. We run some of the foster ministries at the church. yeah. And- we're busy.
0: Yep, you're all in. You're We're all definitely in. Definitely all in. And that little baby now has his learner's permit for driving. Yes, what? the little baby. <laughs> what? Really? Yep. That, I saw that on social media. I went, oh my gosh, how did they get older? But we don't. Uh, I'm just shocked by that.
1: Driving with him <laughs> is like the biggest adrenaline rush you've ever wanted. <laughs> it's the in scariest thing. Oh, Not in a good God. way. Not like jumping off an airplane, good way. Like my life is in danger. I owe it to your grandchildren to teach them how to drive. I have to teach him how to be a good driver. He's driving in the bike lane and he's swerving over here and he's stopping, you know, 10 foot before the stop sign. And I tell him, I owe it to the world, son, to teach you how to be a good driver. Yeah, don't kill my grandchildren. (laughs) Please,
0: Drew. (laughs) Please don't do that. He's getting better.
1: Does he drive
0: more like his mom or like his dad? Where does that come from?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's just... This mixture, it's just horrible. He drives like a 90-year-old. <laughs> we do have some
0: 90-year-olds listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so
1: he's getting a lot better. He's getting much better at driving. And by the time he's 16 to September, he will be on the road and he will be a proficient driver. Okay, we're counting on you. Yes, okay. you, please. Uh, your life depends on it. <laughs> <laughs> One of
0: the things that I want to talk about, because I think it'll be helpful to people. I mean, I've heard Billy Graham type evangelism training you know, about the Titanic, and there's people in the rowboats, but there's room in the rowboats, but they didn't come back for them, and all these people died on the Titanic and everything. And it's there's some motivation there to have that picture Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen to people. I want to know about your why. Why? Because you don't just share your faith a little bit, um,
1: and it's evolved that I want to talk about too, but what's your why? Why do you share Jesus with people? I want to see him go to heaven. I mean, why not? It's kind of what I always ask myself. Whenever I feel like God's working on my heart or I get a word for someone, I say, "Why not?" You know, what's the worst that can happen if I go up and I got a word for you at church the other day, you know? I'm just Oh, yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm just a, like a I'm like a Peter, right? I'm like a fisherman. I'm like a dumb sheet metal worker. But God uses me, right? And if if God's going to if God puts something on my heart, I'll I'll go and seek that person out and let God have his way with me. And I kind of tell God like, "All right, God, I'll do it." You're going to have to come through because I'm not proficient to do this. Yeah. There's much more qualified people to, than me to teach a home group or to evangelize, but God really doesn't need the qualified. He just needs the willing. And yeah. I'm dumb enough to be willing most of the time. So let me ask you
0: this because I think that most Christians, many Christians, mm-hmm. want to give that same kind of answer, but we get so distracted. We get so busy. We sometimes are self-absorbed or we're lazy. How do you counter that? How do you make, does, do you have those kind of battles?
1: Yeah, I don't like regret, right? So I hate the feeling of, what if I didn't say something? So I always just feel like I have to say it. And sometimes it sticks. Sometimes I end up with someone getting radically saved or they're going to church with me. And I talk to people all the time and they're like, oh, no, you did this and it changed my life. I had no idea at the time I was going to change their life. I had no idea that course God was going to take with their life if I just went up to them and said, "Hey, Jesus loves you." You know, you want to go to my home group? But uh, sometimes you do it, and something sticks.
0: It's so funny because when we were talking about it, it sounds so simple, right?
1: It really is simple. It, it really sounds it's, it's, really simple. It's, it's not. I think that's my thing. Is it's not as complicated as we want to make it, right? Like we're not. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not Mike Meteer, and I'm not Neil Hoffman. Like I, like I, I pray, and I'm very simple. I evangelize. I'm very simple. You're never gonna see me try and do some elaborate evangelism trick because that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say trick. But you know what I mean. I, I that's love not that. me. I it's love just it. it's I just taking, it. it God, like,
0: a, like a podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's just if I see an opportunity, I'm just gonna try and capitalize on that opportunity in that moment. Yeah. Plant that seed or stick that knife in wherever I can, and eventually. Sticks that knife what? in evangelism. I love it. <laughs> Eventually, so that person's going to come to Jesus. And it's changed. As I've seen you grow,
0: and I'm not, not necessarily grow and mature and become wiser in this stuff, as much as I think your approach to it. <laughs> because some of the stories that we would swap, there's Foothills stories. And by the way, one of the, one of the common stories at Foothills is Drew Miles walks into a bar with a Bible. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's pretty common. So, we, I got on, after talking to you, I got on this big evangelism kick, and I was going around, and it was working. I was leading people to Jesus and getting people to go to church and making people to go to home group, but we decided, myself, and I got Joey Vanderbilt saved. Yo, Joey. So, and Joey, he's built like a brick house, he's giant, and we led him to Jesus after a couple of years, and he was all fired up. Yeah. So, I'm like, hey, when you get a new Christian, they're dumb enough to do anything, right? <laughs> <just want> <laughs> You get saved and you want to let everybody to Jesus. You're just screaming from its rooftops because you get good and saved. You know you're going to heaven. You want mm-hmm. everyone to experience what God's doing inside of you. And the only way for them to experience it is to actually accept Jesus. Other than that, they look at you and think you're nuts. <laughs> yep. So we went down to Main Street in Alcohol, went into a bar, and we sat down with our Bibles. And people were laughing at us and,
0: you know, what are you doing? And Hold on a second. Joey Vanderbilt's biceps are about 30 inches. <laughs>
1: people yeah. are laughing at Joey. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was weird because we're in a bar. Yes, I and mean, like, we went to a bar like, not like the middle, of- we went to a bar like 10 o'clock at night. It's oh, wow. like a pop-in bar, like a real bar. And we're sitting there with the Bible and uh, there's a guy across me at a table. And uh, he's looking at us and he said, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And long story short, this guy was a pastor out with this woman for the first time that wasn't his wife.
0: Oh, wow, Jesus.
1: And we ruined their date. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you sure did.
1: We <sighs> prayed with them, and he went home. Oh, Lord. Oh, that's, so it I was didn't just, know that part of the story. Yeah, he was out for the first night. She on his wife for the first time, and wow. we were there with the Bible in this bar. Just two dumb kids. We were 19, 20 years old, you know, and oh, Jesus, talked to him about God, and he— uh ruined his date, <laughs> ruined all of his evil plans.
0: You know, whenever I hear stories like that, I always wonder about the other guy's version of the story. Mm. So here I was, man, oh, man, oh, man. And these two guys walking in with a Bible. You know, and that Jesus would love him enough to intercept. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard. He cared enough that he was going to send a couple of knuckleheads in with a Bible that just changed the trajectory of his night and maybe his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's a great story. So it was like that a lot, fireworks and stories that are really exciting and everything. Has that changed for you
1: now? Yeah, it's changed a lot. The problem with that kind of evangelism is you never get to know the outcome yeah and we can see here and hypothesize of what happened with that guy but with me now it's become more strategic more opportunistic and more i have to get my hands a lot more dirty it takes a lot more time okay right so i might go and talk to somebody and buy them my home group and then spend the next three or four years with them discipling them and changing their life right and actually discipling i'm not just throwing the seeds and hoping they spread and hoping they grow lead them to jesus and now help disciple them. And that's been probably the most effective way we've evangelized my wife and I within the church now, is just being active with people. And you know,
0: I I think it's really important. It's more about relationship, Mm -hmm. and it's certainly an investment. And for some people who have that kind of testimony, yeah, I used to be a street preacher, preacher. I used to be Chuck Hicks on the street corner with miracles happening, and I'm not like that anymore. So the Lord is like not pleased with me because this isn't the all fireworks stuff. But you know what? There are a lot of people, I think, who are listening who can say, oh, you mean I really am still serving the Lord? Mm-hmm. Even though it's not all like shiny fireworks kind mm-hmm. of thing.
1: But it does, it, it sounds like it takes more work. yeah.
0: But It'll, the results of it, the fruit of it, my gosh.
1: And evangelism doesn't have to be street corners and stand on a soapbox. Evangelism can be just coming along somebody inside someone in the church and just preaching the, to them and praying with them and taking them under your wing or bring them to your house and feed them dinner and lead them to Jesus. Yeah. Or bringing them back to Jesus or yeah. reconciling their marriage. I mean, evangelism doesn't have to be just walking out on the corner and shooting a shotgun,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I'm finding more now, I don't know if this has been your experience, but post covid if there is a post covid but i'm finding that during this season of covid that you know was is nasty and people got depressed and they got isolated and they got discouraged and and i'm talking about people that are far from jesus you mm-hmm. know and i see more and more people first of all recognizing genuine love concern for them rather than a sales pitch Mm -hmm. and that they're open to it i've been having these meetings with people who i couldn't see for a year because they were all cooped up in their house literally not going anywhere but they're listening because they're hearing the genuineness of the message like Mm -hmm. straight from the heart and it's just i think there's a huge harvest right now for people who are willing just to enter into the conversation and really like you say get your hands dirty
1: yeah, there really is. Can I tell you a recent evangelism story? I'd love to. Yeah. So I go to the gym over here every morning, four in the morning, and there's a trainer, and he's a new trainer. He's like 28 years old. His name's Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, you Tim. you listen to this. And he's always like, you could tell he wants Jesus. And he's talking, he's telling these stories. There are these stories like, you know, I was really depressed yesterday, but then this lady smiled at me and I felt good, you know. And so I started, I was like, I felt like God saying, You're gonna you're gonna lead this guy to the Lord, bring him to church. So I start planting seeds in this guy, and one morning he's telling this long story, kind of motivational story, but about some bad thing happening in his life. And I look over, I work out with Derek Carnolly and another woman named Ruth from our church, and I said, hey, I'm going to, by the guy at church, you going to go with us this weekend and watch. And they're like laughing at I me. Mean, no, he's not. I was like, no, watch. So we get done, and I said, hey, Tim, I go to church at Foothills over here. You're going to go to church with me on Sunday, okay? He goes, Okay. <laughs> And they're looking at me like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm like, the fields are ripe for the harvest. Sometimes God gives you one, and that's one that God gave me. Wow. So, he went to church with me that Sunday, went forward, got prayed for, and he's he had, been back eight weeks. So, he's been back eight weeks in a row going to church at Foothills, and all I had to do was say, hey, let's uh, go to church this Sunday.
0: <laughs> it wasn't yeah. hard. I mean, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know Yeah, what because they're out there. It, it's like, in my mind, you look at a ripe harvest. Mm-hmm. You're not going to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, you're not, it, 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 what does it
1: cost,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It, you have to ask yourself, what's the worst that's going to happen? That's what I ask myself every time I pray for somebody, every time I evangelize. And in my mind, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to go to hell. And that sounds harsh, but I don't want to hear it. But the worst that's going to happen is Tim's going to go to hell. He's not going to know Jesus. The best thing that's going to happen is Tim's going to say, yes, he's going to go to church this Sunday and he's going to be at church for eight weeks. Well, I asked him to go to church and now he's going go to church. Or I could have did nothing because I was too afraid because right. I didn't want to offend Tim. We live in this woke world where we can't talk about Jesus anymore. And now he's going to church with me. So I'd rather than do nothing, he's going to church. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. And there is a an adventure in that style, in that lifestyle of just looking for the opportunities, listening to the Lord, and then taking action that that changes a Christian's life. It changes it completely in my mind. So it goes from looking for the opportunities. You're in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. I didn't even remember teaching at Brian's home group and the fact that anything that I might have said to you encouraged you or, or got you going, that blows me away and, and humbles me. Changed it my absolutely life. Absolutely does. Hmm. Yeah.
1: It's that's wow. exactly you just you never know when you're gonna plant a seed. Yeah. By doing something, changed my life. And I'd never forget it.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. Let's say, and you do this because you disciple people and you mentor people and you grow them up. That's what a home fellowship pastor does. Mm -hmm. And Brian is one of the best. What would you say to a young man about entering into a lifestyle of of saying yes to the opportunities, what would you counsel them? What, somebody's listening right now that needs to hear what you would counsel them in. How do you get started? How do you do it? How do you not be discouraged by l- lack of success or looking dumb or whatever? What would you tell them?
1: That really it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit. Like Going on what you were just saying, I recognize that I am not equipped to to preach and to evangelize. But God is, I, you know, I am I barely graduated high school. I'm a sheet metal worker. I don't consider myself a learned man, right?
0: Like kind of like the fisherman.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm the fisherman. I'm Peter. All like That's who I relate to in the Bible. But I do believe I, I got saved and I started reading the Bible and I believe every single thing I read in there. Mm. And I know that God will use me and work through me to evangelize. So when I walk into a situation it's like, hey God, you better show up because if not, you're not going to look good. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> He That's knows. So he's powerful, like. though.
1: It's, and I just let God do it. And I just, when I preach at church, I, I love to preach at church. I say, Lord, I'm going up there. I, I need to step into Your anointing because, you know, without You, this is not going to be good. I want to see people get led to the Lord. I want to be used of You, and then uh, God uses me. Because he doesn't want, I don't want to say he doesn't want to look bad. God never looked bad. But you know what I mean, right? <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. Because but he said he would. You know, my, yeah. my favorite, I say it all, I probably already said on this podcast is, God doesn't need the able, he needs the willing. And he'll make the willing able. Yeah. And that's like my, I, I use that, I don't know if, if I made it up or not, but God. But it's uh, true. It's true. Yeah. He doesn't need the able, he needs the willing, to make the willing able. There's so many people who are so much better equipped to do things in, in the church than me. But they're not willing. Yeah, and I'm probably too willing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've had to learn how to say no sometimes, but uh, man, it's just—it's intoxicating to be used of God, and yeah. I feel like the more you do it, the more you just, it just becomes second nature to you. Now it's like if I see someone in the church, I just talk to them about Jesus or walk up and invite them to my home group or whatever it is, and you never know when it's going to stick. I want to take a step in a different direction because I know that
0: this is really close to your heart and I know that you're all in. When you're in, you're all in. Tell me about fostering. Tell me about the, you've educated me about foster parenting. There's some other people in the church that are way into it. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, Brian Hellman told me one time when I was like, 20 years old, he said, when you're all in, you're all in. And if you want to be a unicycle rider, you'd be a professional unicycle rider. <laughs> <laughs> That's always stuck with me, my attitude towards things. I don't do anything. I always, First Corinthians nine twenty four for all who run a race, run, but only one who the prize, mm-hmm. run in such a way that you achieve the prize. Yeah. So again, I hear verses and I, when I do something, I am all in because I want to achieve the prize. I want to do my best. And uh, whatever I lack in God shows up. So foster care, I was in church five years ago. And Mike Famita did a message on a Saturday night, and I can't remember what even it was on anymore. I think it was on being called to something. And God, uh, in the message, I don't think God, I've don't never heard God's voice, but God told me or I felt God put in my heart that I'm going to start a foster ministry. I was praying that we would elect three people to overturn Roe versus Wade during Trump's presidency, and he did that. Mm. And my original thought was, oh, my gosh, we're going to need to adopt all these babies because they tell you all the time that if we didn't have abortions, there'd be too many babies to be overwhelmed, Right. So I started meeting with, we're going to start this foster ministry, and I'm going to get Christians lined up to adopt these babies. And it turns out there's a waiting list of 100 people to adopt infants. There is no lack of people to adopt babies at all. But What there is a need for is the 3,000 kids that are in foster care who are getting abused mm. and need families. Yeah. So we started Hearts for Adoption, and that became a foster support ministry within our church. It meets once a month. And people from within our church come there, and uh, they could talk about adoptions, talk about foster care. Within our first month, we started. I started the ministry. Someone heard we had it and called and said, "Hey, I have a baby," and Jamie Matranga adopted that baby. Yeah. So, yeah. so God put a ministry on my heart, and a month later, Jamie had a kid. So, if that was the only thing that thing did, we got a baby adopted just by me putting a name on a ministry in the church, yeah. right?
0: Well, when you when you play with Jamie Matranga. <laughs> talk about all in (laughs) by the way for people who haven't heard the jamie matranga episode you should listen to it too drew if you missed it i think it's the number two right after rocky Mm -hmm. craig number two podcast and she talks about the stuff that you're talking about right now so yep holy spirit goosebumps with jamie matranga
1: yeah we've been uh in her life since she was a little girl yeah uh, talk about trying to rein somebody in who doesn't know how to say no (laughs) she's incredible agreed you're just like trying to She's incredible. Whatever God tells her to do, she does it. She listens to the Lord. She's yeah. an I person. think
0: she's actually a professional unicyclist.
1: She's a uni- she's what? a unicyclist. That's <laughs> <Really>? for sure. <laughs> no, metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically, metaphorically, she is a professional unicyclist. <laughs> yes, that is yes. a great analogy. Um, so we start Hearts for Adoption, and somehow we started this whole ministry. I don't want to be a foster parent. We ended up going. I felt like we it was a small meeting, like six people. We said, "Hey, well, let's just go and support Holly because Holly Hedgecock was running this for me. She's
0: a giant so she, of dog adopt- somebody,
1: somebody you should have on the podcast. She's oh, fostered yeah. sixteen, oh, adopted twelve. She is a saint. Top of my list for most incredible people in the world is Holly Hedgecock okay. and, and Greg
0: coming your way. Um, Sent three fifteen.
1: <laughs> I was like, "What's going to support Holly? I feel bad. No one's going to these meetings, right? Which now the meetings are huge. We go and there's this woman, Lonnie, there from Angels Foster Care." And next thing you know, we're signed up to be foster parents. <laughs> we're going to be foster parents. And we go through this process. And it takes a year to even get a baby. And one day at noon, we got a phone call. and said, hey, we've got a baby. I don't know much about him other than he's in Chula Vista, this hospital. He's two days old. Do you want him? Wow. And we said, yeah, sure. So, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is 2019. So we went down. And at 2 o'clock the afternoon, we had a two-day-old baby and we were foster parents so we uh got a baby and i am someone who runs like five companies has a plethora of ministries within the church who can handle anything i pride myself in just being a mul- the multitasking king that's my thing it put me on my knees wow. it it was tearing our family apart it was we felt so alone it was the hardest thing we ever did wow we were in, uh, when you become a foster parent, I'm not trying to scare you away from it. I think all Christians should do it. I think we're called to it. We were in meetings four days a week. So we would have to go and meet with mom two days a week, and she couldn't drive. So we'd meet a bio mom down in South San Diego or Central San Diego, wherever she can get to, meet with her. Then we'd have social workers at the house. We'd have lawyers at the house. We had doctor's visits. Your life really isn't your life anymore. You become a product of the state. You do whatever mm-hmm. the state tells you to do. So about six months goes by, and we are really just, just drowning, right? Multiple times we think we're losing the baby going back home, so you feel like you're losing a child. It's the hardest thing we ever did. And we met these people named Jennifer and Jerry Hall who were starting this new ministry, God put on their heart to start this ministry called Restoration 225. And that is a ministry that puts a support system around foster families. Okay. So then you get four or five people around you supporting you. And when you have a support system, like 80% of people who have support systems continue to foster. Without a support system, only like 25% continue to foster because it's sense. that hard. Yeah. And uh, we were their first family, and we were the first ones. And what they would do for us is when we'd have visits, they would come pick up our bio kids because your life doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. So you become a foster parent, and your whole world revolves around this foster baby. We had four other kids who we were neglecting, who were having to leave at home for hours on end while we went out. So Jennifer and Jerry come over, and they start taking our kids to fun believable, or two, they had a lake, take them to their house and go to the lake and go fishing. And they would bring us dinner once a week. And just having that support changed my life.
0: That is so cool. And
1: just having someone to be there and support us and help us, it changed my life. And so, Unicycle, I'm on the board of Restriction 225 now. (laughs) (laughs) We are in 70 churches across San Diego. We've helped like 300 children, and uh, we're just getting started. Right on. And Foothills has a foster support ministry because— I told you five years ago, God started the thing in my heart. Foothills is going to go into a season of adoptions, a season of foster care. I know it for a fact. Yeah. And even though it's been five years of setting it up, God's laying the foundations for what God's going to do within our church. And we're mm-hmm. going to see Foothills helping these 3,000 kids that are in need in San Diego. Drew, the thing that comes to my mind, <clears throat> you
0: know, we're called synth 315 because we want people to know that's your nature. You're sent. Mm-hmm. Jesus was sent and he sent us. So that's very clear. But I'm thinking about other conversations that we've had in this room. And, um, you know, Jamie, she's sent, uh, Jenny Steckler is out there fighting a, a good fight. And I mean, she's at a rally on something that she believes so strongly about politically. And then she does an altar call. And this isn't like a Christian meeting. She's just saying, hey, your foundations are shaken. You're scared about what's going on in the world, but you don't have to be. Mm. When I just had this epiphany, this revelation, we're sent, and we're not just sent to evangelize in the normal definition of the word. We, as Christians, are sent to change the world. Mm -hmm. And if we'll say, amen, I'll go, People that talk about the evil in the world. How can there be a loving, powerful God if there's evil in the world? Well, if you feel that way, let's change it. Yeah, Let's mm-hmm. go in and save some babies. Let's go in and speak his truth in love and show people that are, like Paul said, there is a better way. There's mm-hmm. a much better way.
1: I would say that you never know the results you're going to get, right? And, and most time, evangelism is snowball. And you start a foster ministry. And now I don't even know how many children have been adopted and fostered through Hearts for Adoption at Foothills. Hills. Yeah. Um, and the other church. And the other churches. And it's just being, just starting something and being involved in that. I'll end with a story of my wife. My wife's incredible. We went to kids camp and kids camp is a beating. Kids camp, we had all the heavy hitters up there, all the moms. You know, Nietzsche's up there, Brooks up there, Erica Steckler's up there. The Clemmies are up there. The Dealings are up there. There's just all these heavy hitters are up there. And whoever was going to teach, Lauren was supposed to teach, But she couldn't go because I was going and I was going to teach. Whoever was going to teach, one of the women, got COVID. I don't know who it was. can't remember. I shouldn't, whatever. She got COVID. So they called Lauren. And Lauren is bitter. She's like, you've got all these heavy hitters up there. Why don't you ask one of them to teach? But she said, okay, I'll go and teach. (laughs) Lauren led 10 little girls to the Lord. She answered the call and led 10 little girls to the Lord. There's 10 girls in that camp God knew yep. that she was supposed to teach yeah, and she yep. turned it down the first yeah. time and then I'm not saying God did not give that woman COVID but when she <laughs> got the opportunity the second time instead of turning it down again she took it instead of being hey just yeah. have Nita to do it have somebody else do it right. she went and did it she let 10 people of the Lord so I would say this when given an opportunity you never know the results you're going to get and the life you're going to change just by taking advantage of it and evangelism is exponential. When you lead someone to Jesus, they lead someone to Jesus, and it's exponential. Yeah. And it just takes one time. And we could go for yeah. hours and hours and hours of just the little things that I've done, you've done, people in the church have done, that have led to such bigger things. Because yeah. you just ruin someone's life. Like, they were going to live this life of sin and pain and misery, and you turn them into a Christian, and then they start going out and ruining other people's lives, and they keep changing their lives. And thing you know, they love Jesus, and they're all, you know, not just— not You get it, right? I absolutely get it. You never know what your
0: yes is going to turn into. But this is the thing for me. Um, Just for people that are listening, just take the next opportunity. Make that commitment. I don't know if it was when Lauren was teaching, but I have a little 10-year-old granddaughter. She asked her grandma from that kid's camp. She said, uh, Grandma, is it okay to cry during worship. <laughs> and grandma goes, Yeah, it happens to me all the time, darling. She goes, Yeah, I've never worshipped like that before in my life. And it and somebody went to camp. Some adult showed up at camp. Somebody that could play guitar, somebody that could sing, somebody that could come alongside a young person. I'm just I just I just want to challenge, encourage. You listening to this, take the next yes. Mm -hmm. Take the, I love how you say it, opportunistic. Take the next opportunity that God is giving you because he's gone before you. Just do it and see what happens. Drew, will you pray for the people that are listening?
1: Yeah. Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you put a fire inside of your believers, Lord, inside of your followers, Lord, to take advantage of opportunities. Lord, I pray that they can see the fields are ripe for harvest. and Lord, they don't have to be Billy Graham. They can just be who they are. They can just be that fisherman. But when you give them the opportunity, God, that they jump right in, that they don't question you, and they take advantage of it, because they never know what will happen. Equip them, Holy Spirit, and have your way with them, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, as you know, one thing we are absolutely committed to is you understanding that you are sent to a world that desperately needs your yes.